she did. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, spinning the narrative here, but what yeah, she wants um, you to know is that I, I her boyfriend want... texted her, but she ignored it. And then she opened Schefter's text and realized that I, she um... Hello, old friends. Welcome to Sports, the podcast that ends with a question mark but starts with a question. I'm Katie Nolan. She's Christina. Hello. He's. And this is today's question. Hi, Katie, Travis, and Christina. Uh, my name is Audrey from Massachusetts. And since it's April Fool's Day, I was wondering what is the best April Fool's Day prank you have ever pulled? Or just prank in general, if it wasn't my April Fool's Day. Um, love you guys. Mean it. Bye. Audrey, love you. Mean it. Thank you for your question. I think we may have answered this question before, but I can promise it wasn't with this array of podcast, esteemed podcast hosts. So I figured it was April Fool's Day and I would toss it out to the two of you. That's Christina and Dop. Hi, Dop. Hey, Katie. How, How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Hey, my first question is, does Camille still listen? Because I yes. still think about her. Okay, oh, good. she does. Okay, I was going to ask you, look, we're going to catch up with Dop as soon as we're done answering this question. The podcast is going to be all out of order today. We have a lot to get to, but I do want us to honor the question. Audrey sure. from Massachusetts asked, which is, uh, what's your favorite April Fool's Day prank you've ever pulled or just in general? And I will start by saying... And I know this is no longer a hot take. This is a very common take. So at some point, I'm going to have to flip it back around. But I don't like April Fool's Day. I hate it. And I hate pranks because I think a lot of them are mean. <laughs> and I know that that's like supposed to be the funny part. But it's also just like lazy sometimes. There are good pranks. But there are times where the pranks are just like, I'm, I made you think something devastating happened to you and it didn't. And that's coming from someone who knows that's kind of what she did to her friend Mina Kimes on Highly Questionable this week <laughs> with a big shout out to Adam Schefter who actually did the dirty deed. I just think that it's like a day that everybody who, I saw somebody that I think is very funny say, um, it's very nice of us to do April Fool's Day for all the people who aren't funny any other day of the year. But I know that people love April Fool's Day, so I don't want to be a downer. And I'm hoping that one of you has a story about how much you love this cheeky little holiday. Well, I would say that I love this holiday and I'm sure the Reddit is going to attack me for saying this, but I do agree with you that I yes. hate April Fool's Day. Christina's just, always agreeing. I, I'm always agreeing. I also have just never, I've never gotten into it. I also don't think I'm clever enough to come up with these elaborate pranks because if it is something that is going to make you believe something terrible, I always start off feeling way too bad and I end up giving it away anyway. Mm. Um, so I'm just not really good at pulling pranks as is. Yeah, same. I'm not a good enough actress. No. Dop, are you a prankster? So here's the thing. I'm pretty good at pranks. Ooh, Ooh. okay. I like this. That was the April Fool's Day prank. I'm oh, terrible at pranks. God. I am so bad <laughs> at stuff. Really but listen, Katie, listen to me. If I liked pranks and I was going to spend that amount of time to do something for a friend of mine, why wouldn't I throw you a party or make you feel oh. like loved? Oh, you know what I mean? We're all too soft. We're all way too soft to answer this question. We're like, <laughs> I know. why would I prank you when I could hug you? Exactly. We could just love you instead. Oh, what if I just lifted you up with praise and compliments? Ooh. <laughs> Can you think of a good prank to save us and give us some street cred? Can anybody think of a prank they saw that they were like, oh, that's actually really good? Um, Telling me that Edelman was being traded to the Bucks right after Tom Brady left and went to the Bucks and Gronk was going to go. It's like it, that was good. Yeah, it hurt. It hurt me. But it was my good. there's a prank that has always stood with me uh, when I was a kid. 
uh, my dad was a Lions fan. And so he read in the newspaper that the Lions had traded for Dan Marino and that the Lions were finally getting a real quarterback to pair with Barry Sanders and how and my dad was stoked until he got to the end of the article and it was an April Fool's Day joke that like the the writer wrote about it and ever and I saw how crushed my dad was which so ever since then I'm just like pranks are funny that was just like you got his hopes up and now he's just bummed but like that was the prank like set it up that story will never be able to happen again in history because of all the words you used, like newspaper. I know. And read to the end of the article. There's no way that now people would see that and they'd immediately tweet about it and nobody would read the whole article and we'd never know that the whole thing was a joke. Different time. Different, Different time, indeed. All right. So sorry that it didn't work out. I thought for sure Dop was going to be super into pranks and that he could tell us some epic prank story but that's it audrey we just don't like this holiday and that's okay you know some people don't like valentine's day we might be those same people i don't know that's also funny <laughs> that we're like why don't we love instead and they're like look a holiday for love and we're like we're i like, don't need a holiday for love like, all right we just all want to complain all the time but anyway if you have a question that we will answer in a very disappointing way don't forget that you can always leave a voicemail at 860-506 five five seven one like i said normally here is where i would say hello to my two friends seated before me on zoom but today on the podcast since he who shall not be named is now being named and is back we have a lot of catching up to do we also are going to talk about sports i know that's crazy we haven't done that like a month and a half we did it. beautiful we did it it was done it existed <laughs> hi friends hello hello hi Christina, you have a big update that we are going to get to in a second. But first, we must address Daniel Dopp. How long has it been since the last time we saw you on sports? Uh, boy, it has been a minute. I wish I, I remembered the exact date. I should I have had the exact date right. What? That's not it's like a two. Quiz, it was like two years ago, right? It had to be maybe even longer. I don't know how time works anymore. This last year felt like three. So it really did. But in my mind, it looks like one, which is like one day, which is very confusing. Either way, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. I'm really happy to be here. I I texted this uh, to a couple of friends of mine, but like one of my favorite things that I used to do was to be able to like come down to New York and work with you and Ashley on the podcast. It's so, so crazy to remember that there was a time where I would send you pages of edit notes and you would come to New York just to record this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then when we stopped doing that, it got better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I stopped holding it so tightly, it was able to thrive, which go figure. It's almost like people have been yelling that at me my whole life. Uh, but, you know, I think there's you're part of lore in this podcast. Like mm. you are people who say that they've been here forever. They always cite the like, I've been listening since DOP. So, yeah, I'm like a line of delineation <laughs> between like the old school and the new school. Katie That's Nolan right. Fans, That's I feel right. Like. It's yeah. like if anybody knows of you. They're A, an OG, but B, they know not to speak of you. Right, and exactly. that's because you left in a great, dramatic ball of fire, which Super. was that the, the previously agreed to uh, show that you work on and would have had to leave to work on, it started. And right. so we were completely blindsided by the fact that you had told us previously <laughs> that at some point you're going to have to head out. And then yeah. you did. And how dare you do that? I know. I know that's on me. I still it's, regret I mean, that decision. Thank you. Thank you so much for finally admitting it. Do you agree? Are you happy with your other podcast? I mean, you know, happy is relative when you look at what mm-hmm. I had before, but 
Just um, shoot me straight, Doc. Just tell us that you're I, happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I love doing. I love being able to do focus with Matthew and Field and Stefania, Mike Clay. Like they're all just beautiful, fantastic people. I started doing first draft this year with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, and I boy do I love watching their dynamic. Like yeah. just behind the scenes, like they're they are exactly who they are when they're on the camera. Like their little quips back and forth to each other, and like it's just it's real great. So uh it's it's been a it's been a year i don't know how back how far back you want to go but like i've i'm really pleased and stoked and i was glad travis took a week off and that he asked if i wanted to come back and do this because it's i've missed you guys i miss being able you to do too. This. also week off is in air quotes he's working he took well, a sure. week off yeah. from us i just want him to know i can't get through to him that this does not count as a week off right he told me once <laughs> that he asked for a day off so that he could produce a, another one of the podcasts he's now in charge of right. and i was like that's not you asked for it wrong that's, it's not yes. a day off you're, you're asking for help you requested not- this the wrong way yes. yeah you were asking for more time to work um, so good. I'm glad to hear everything's going well. Yeah. Uh, life updates, any big life updates you want to share with your OG fans from the mm-hmm. last time we spoke to you, you are in what appears to be, I mean, if you hadn't told me that it was your house, I would be like, are you on vacation in Argentina or wow. something? You're in like a cedar room full of plants sitting on a yoke, like a it's hammock beautiful. that is a chair for one person. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, life updates. So Uh, I'm in the middle of getting divorced. Uh, That started back, Katie, when I was with you, though. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, Uh, I feel like I remember that. um, And so, how are you doing? um, Okay, we're hopefully almost at the end of it. COVID shut it down for a long time, uh, which was, you know, pretty terrible, uh, if I'm being honest. So, uh, this summer was like a big mental health summer for Daniel, like trying to figure out, uh, as it was for literally everybody in America. Uh, but just trying to figure out with all of that, like the divorce on top of everything else just happened in the world. You know, it was a it was a big, big thing. A so it was a lot. Yeah. So I found a, a bunch of bands, a whole bunch of music that like I really invested into to try to like, you know, help me from that perspective and, and uh, just find things to kind of normalize how I how I was feeling and, and get through stuff and kind of process things in a in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, so that's great. There's a band called Future Teens. It's in, out of Boston. That was like I, I really like love them a bunch and they really they have a record uh, that just came out that was really cool so shout out who else anybody else we've been all pandemic long telling each other what we're coping with like i've been shouting out looney tunes which have been very helpful like a nice (laughs) endorphin boost for me what else has gotten you through all this nonsense and chaos uh so punisher by phoebe bridgers was like phenomenal like i just that record crushed me for months and i just i love phoebe um Julian Baker's new record um, is also fantastic. I've, I put that on a whole bunch and the more and more I listen to it, the more that I fall in love with it. So she's been fantastic. Um, it's called, uh, I don't remember what it's called. Little Oblivions. I mean, really, uh, uh, albums. You still listen to albums. Oh, yeah. I love records. I, I love mean, that's, records. Uh, that's incredible. Like, I, I, uh, I don't, it just seems so... I'm trying to say that I completely agree with it, but know that I'm too lazy to do it. Like it's, it's a, there's so many extra steps and they're probably for a reason. Look, I'm a person who refuses to use wireless headphones because I don't like right. the way it degrades the sound quality. And I bet on a record player, everything sounds better. It, I think it does. But this is just a me thing though, right? Like I still listen to Spotify all the time because it's just easy. Mm. But when I'm like at the end of the day, if I want to like listen to something or I just want to like take time to relax, like I come back here because like pulling a record out of a 
out of my shelf and then like having to put it down and put the needle on it. And then you've got like all that like artwork, huge and like it's an experience. Mm. Like it's it's like being a part of that music rather than a lot of times like Spotify is in passing music for me. That's just like a soundtrack to my life. Not like I'm going to sit down and do this as like this is my activity. Right. So they're two different kind of experiences from that from that perspective. Meditative. Absolutely. Yeah. Girl, put your records on. Who cares? I love it. In this Ben vibe room. I love it. I want a vacation on your porch. (laughs) It looks so lovely. It's more greenery than I've seen other than, you know, uh, in a very long time. So I got into plants this this uh, pandemic. That's a good thing to pick up. I wish yeah. I picked up something that was like cooking, but instead it was video games. So yeah, well, I mean, I mean, hey, I still played plenty of video games, Katie. Don't get me wrong. Did you ever get into fork knife? Did that ever happen for you? <laughs> a little bit. I play with my nephew every now and then. Mm. Um, I, never, I I dropped it. I haven't touched it in years. I play mostly Warzone or Destiny Two uh, at I this play point. Warzone Two. I'm just not very good at it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's just it, it's a thing to be able to to you know, relax and have fun. I have a big Madden franchise with a bunch of friends where we all have like different teams and like, Oh, that's fun. So like, that's been a, another like really great thing, you know, community, finding community and relationship with people and like ways to connect, you know, long distance over all of this has been big. And I didn't realize how big community and relationship meant to me until I didn't have community and relationship. When you're like, well, I don't really have, I don't focus on it. And you're like, yeah, because it's happening naturally when you go an office and interact with people. Yeah. 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 So video games have been a big part of that too. So, but you know, I feel like my summer's probably been, a, I've been very, very blessed, super thankful. Uh, I haven't gotten sick, haven't gotten the vaccine yet. I'm on a, I'm on a list. I'm waiting to Ooh. hopefully get a call up. So, so we'll see how that works. Uh, but like it, our state's doing them soon. So we, I mean, I should be able to hopefully fingers get crossed have it done soon. What and a great life- segue though. Cause Christina, <laughs> well, I hear word on the street. We have a celebration. Oh, yes. We have something to celebrate. What is it? I'm vaccinated. Oh, oh, yeah. Woo! Uh, it feels so great. How well, it? it didn't feel great when it happened. Let me uh, <laughs> let, let, let me get that straight. Um, so Thursday at exactly 1145 in the morning, I went to the local stop and shop right around the corner from my apartment. Um, I was able to sign up one of the first people of my age group to get the vaccine. I just got the one shot, the Johnson and Johnson one shot. And she was telling me that typically the side effects will hit you 24 to 48 hours after you get the shot. Mm. So I'm thinking, okay, great. I'm not really doing anything this weekend. This will be awesome. Probably around 6 p.m., I am totally shut down, full body aches from oh. like the literally the hair on my head mm-hmm. to like my toenails. Mm-hmm. Everything hurt. My head was throbbing. Um, I had cold sweats. I was somehow fully clothed and also sweating and also freezing all at the mm-hmm, same time. Mm-hmm. Um, amidst all of that, my fire alarm starts going off. No. So I look at my boyfriend and I said, did you leave the oven on? Oh, and he no. said, no, did you? And I said, I haven't left my bed since approximately noon this afternoon. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I did not. Um, turns out the entire apartment building, uh, the fire alarm was going off. So we all had to evacuate. <sighs> That's the worst. Um, oh. Yeah. So this just, you know, really heightened everything I was feeling. My head is pounding. I am making my way downstairs. I can smell smoke. So it was definitely like a real like thing that was happening. Yeah. yeah. So we all go outside. 
it took about 30 minutes. I guess somebody on the second floor, I have four floors in this building. Someone on the second floor was cooking something. It obviously didn't go the right way. Uh, and they blew up their stove. I don't know oh, how what? that happened. That don't is, know how. That's not, it obviously didn't go the right way. That's something <laughs> went incredibly wrong. Yeah, they I blew up their stove. Yeah, I don't know exactly. And this is directly from the, the firefighter who walked oh, out God. of the building and said, who lives in this apartment? Oh, um, <laughs> oh God, he announced it to everyone. And, and we're all like, not me. And you, you could tell the couple standing next to the door was like, Yep, it's like a, a couple just covered in us. soot and they're like, <laughs> their hair's like, like blown right here. Back. They're like, oh, that's us. I think. Yeah. So that, uh, that wasn't fun. We eventually got the all clear to go back inside. I went inside, took enough melatonin to kick me out for days, uh, woke up the next morning, still just not, not in it uh, mm-hmm. all day Friday. Absolutely sucked. But let me just tell you in the middle of me not only not feeling well, trying to grab whatever immediate belongings I needed in case this was an actual fire that I wasn't allowed back into my apartment. I grabbed my car keys, my wallet, you know, everything that's, you know, a necessity. Uh-huh. I left all of that Your boyfriend's in my boyfriend's deodorant. car. Oh, yep, my no. boyfriend's deodorant, everything. I left it in the backseat of his car oh, because no. that's where we decided to sit and wait this out. So I don't know if I've told you all this before, but my bo- my boyfriend loves to go golfing on Saturdays. Oh, so no. I wake up Saturday and I'm finally feeling okay enough to leave mm-hmm. the house. He left early in the morning and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a me day. I'm going to go run some errands, maybe buy myself some flowers. I can't leave my apartment because I don't have my car keys. I don't have my apartment key. So I text him and said, hey, um, do you have my car keys? And he said, oh yeah, the ones that are in the backseat of my car. And I went, yeah. oh Yeah. Yeah, those ones. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's so how my stuck, weekend you were stuck at home. That sounds yep. not fun. It also sounds exactly yeah. like what it felt like to have COVID, but for uh, <laughs> a, a much shorter <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. It, for the for those three days, probably until Sunday morning, I finally was like, all right, I think I feel a lot better now. Yeah, the body aches were the craziest part. I've also seen people Ugh. online saying that like they felt fine during the day and shitty at night. And that's exactly the experience that Dan had where he would be, he would wake up and be like, I think I'm, I think I turned a corner. I think I'm on the other side of this thing. And then seven o'clock would hit. And he was like, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> around. I'm not over it. It's yeah. Still I, I also wasn't expecting because on Friday I decided, well, okay, I feel somewhat better now around lunchtime. So I made soup and grilled cheese worst mistake I could have done, which I didn't Mm. realize going into it. I felt so bad after I ate. And of course, you know, my boyfriend's like, oh, I feel fine. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. Yes. I think I'm going to throw up on myself. So (laughs) this is great. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Hey, you're vaccinated. You got it. So I'm vaccinated. I can at least go out into the world now and feel a little bit better. You're part of an elite class of people who are safe and you're and you're going to have a hot girl summer or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I'm so happy for I'm just thinking through how I need to go and get a shot and how that usually goes for me and how scared I am. But oh, it, was, it, it was scary, but I made it, it through. We got to do it. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. And I've heard that the waiting room after you get it is like the happiest place on earth where everybody's just like <laughs> smiling and taking selfies and feeling like their things are finally going back to normal, which fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed because yeah. what a year it's been crazy. Um, usually we do a mental health update here, but I feel like we 
did that. We we yeah. covered I, that. I, I sort of did um, that already. I think so. Uh, Christina, you got anything other than, I mean, a vaccine's mental health. It's you, you know, I feel so much better now. Yeah. I just feel so much better. And being able to actually on, on Sunday, I went over to my grandparents' house for Easter brunch and they were both vaccinated a few weeks ago, but I wanted to be careful because obviously I wasn't. So I didn't want to still carry something and I don't really know how it all works. So once I got fully vaccinated, um, I went over there on Sunday and to actually be able to hug my grandparents again, felt Mm. so good. It's like, when you go a long time without like hugging someone that means a lot to you and then finally it happens, you're like, oh, can we do it again? Like it feels so good. I know. I can't wait. I went um, I went to Dan's uh, uh, Dan's like they opened stand up again in New York. So like comedy clubs and stuff are open. They opened this weekend. So I went I got to see Dan do stand up again for the first time in fun a year, which was awesome. But it was also so hard being there and seeing everybody and being like bump elbows. You just want to be like, I haven't seen you. Hi. Hmm. But you're not supposed to. And so um, that was tough, but also awesome. And most of the people there that I saw were like, oh, I just got vaccinated. So it's like I'm feeling I think my mental health update is like I'm feeling optimistic which i mean you'd think given the past and history just in general that i would know not to do this at this point but i feel a little optimistic i think we're going to be okay i think that's where my head's at right now it's just feeling that like we made it so far i just recently uh from a mental health perspective i just recently got i i talked to my doctor about getting put on medication because even though i feel like we made it so far like my anxiety is just like it, it just didn't uh go down the way i'd hoped it would you know post yeah. post certain things and so um i've i just started taking medication and it's really helped me a bunch a bunch uh and i've never really taken medication before so i'm very thankful for uh so have i that. actually and i've yeah. never taken medication like that either. i was like i can't do this on my own i need something else to help me Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm so, I'm so right there proud you. of you guys. That's amazing. That's a big yeah, step. And it's a it's a scary one for a million different reasons, but it's the right step in the right direction. I'm proud of you both so much Absolutely. for getting help. I mean, I'm on medic, just to be clear. On <laughs> continue <laughs> to be like, on. I'm, I'm, but, uh, I'm not like standing outside being like, good for you. I'm like, welcome. Hello. <laughs> like, it's welcome to the club. Awesome. Yeah. Before I knew I had ADD, I thought I was the laziest person on earth. And then I was like, Oh, oh that's <laughs> I'm running in circles in my head. Got mm-hmm. it. Uh, so yeah, obviously see a doctor. We are very pro therapy on this podcast. Don't just very go much. out there mixing and matching for yourself because <laughs> drugs are dangerous. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's no shame in saying that you need a little help with something. A big thing happened to all of us. And then on top of that, um, personal big things, everybody, it's been a year. Everyone's yep. going to have something big happen within a year, good or bad. And both good and bad needs, you know, brings anxiety. So you need to manage that if that's yeah. something that you're uh, struggling with. So don't feel like you're alone. Stop. It's perfect timing when the wind chimes kick in. And it's, it's like, like um, telling us like, all right, not alone. <laughs> we're here with you and we're all going to get through this together. <laughs> You sound like my call map. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, I got to renew my subscription. I'm so bad at meditating. You strike me as somebody who just sits down to meditate and is completely zen the moment they sit down. You look down. like you're meditating right now. Abs- yeah. No, absolutely not. I'm the kind of person that like my mind, I as soon as I sit down, my mind runs a million miles an hour. It's a thing I'm trying really hard to work on because it's it's being able to learn to shut that off. I have found 
there's been so much like self-actualization over the last year, but Me I have too. found that like my mind doesn't shut off the way that I would like it to. And I realize how much that exacerbates certain situations mm. for me mentally and emotionally, because I feel like I never take a break. Like your body physically takes a break. Right. But like my mind, it, it just like, it works overtime for so many things. So I've been trying really hard to learn how to practice, to like clear my mind, clear my thoughts, find activities that are like good from that perspective to like lose myself into so that I'm not always like on this hamster wheel of, you know, Have whatever you your brain is. Legos? I started climbing actually. Um, I've never built Legos, but I like climbing. I, I look at it where I can, I see like a wall in front of me and it's like a problem and you figure out like your right hand goes here, your left hand goes here. And it, it, it is like solvable and it's really hard and it's physical activity. So like I've, I've tried, you know, doing that and that's been very helpful. Excuse me. Um, you know, that honestly, that and Phoebe Bridgers. I just say Phoebe yeah, Bridgers is like the best thing for mental health. She's, she's helpful. So. That that is medication, but it's over the counter. You do exactly. Not have to consult that a one anyone can prescribe. Anyone to. can buy. I'm pretty sure legally, it's street legal. Street legal. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers' album. Yeah. Uh, and boy, do I recommend it. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm getting. I've learned the same thing. I was like, it, I would, I can't meditate, and it would frustrate me so much that it would end up having a negative effect instead of a positive yeah. one. So I learned that the step in between being able to focus on everything and being able to focus on nothing was being able to focus on one thing, and that was the thing that, as a kid with ADD, I didn't, I wasn't good at before, and I realize now, like, I need to train myself to be able to do that. And yeah. so I've done the same thing. I've been, I've built every Lego, everything in quarantine because I can turn off everything and just focus on building that's a Lego. Yeah. And like, I know that's not meditating, but it is the closest thing I've got so far. And then the next step is like, now that I know how to focus on one thing, make that one thing nothing. Which is like, well, what do you mean? Right. It's terrifying to me. But I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get there. But that's my journey. And that's my process. Yep. That's so, the way to do it. The whole thing is a journey. You can't, you're never going to get to the end in one day and you've got to be okay with that. Like you've yeah. got to, you start somewhere and you'll get there, you know? So. Yeah. You said self-actualization. This has also been a year for me where I've realized like, oh, hey, forgiving yourself is mm. a big, that's a big one thing. <laughs> because a lot of times when I don't do the thing I really wanted me to do, I'm so disappointed in myself that then I beat myself up about it, that it's like, all right, look, you either are going to do the thing or don't do the thing and feel good about not doing it. But don't do this weird in between where the thing doesn't get done and you don't enjoy the time you spend not doing the thing. Yep. I, so I, on that, on that note, there's a, I've been trying really hard. A friend of mine has a podcast called you have permission. And I've been trying really hard to think about it from that perspective of like giving myself permission either to feel this way or to do this thing, or like, you know, whatever the societal norms or, you know, whatever, like, you know, shackles that you feel like you have on you because this is what friends or peer pressure or whatever is like, you have permission to, to examine all of those and decide whether or not you want to continue to like, you know, go at it from that point of view or, or change it. And so like, being, for me, it's just, I've, I've been trying really hard to learn how to give myself permission to be wherever I am, to be okay, to feel the things that I feel, regardless of, you know, the contradiction that I feel like I am sometimes, or yeah. your brain is all over the place, you know, and it's like, it's all right. It's a part of the journey. Like, I'm not going to go from point A to point B immediately. There's like steps to get here. So like, be, it's, I'm trying to give myself permission of like, this journey can take as long as it takes until you get there. And, and you know, it is what it is. So yeah, like I think before, before, go ahead, Christina. No, I was going to say, I think for me is I 100% have, I've done that. And I think going through a terrible breakup where I was by myself in Los Angeles a few years ago, like no friends or family where I was, 
made me do that internal like self-realization of this is who I am. These are the mistakes I make. This is who I want to be. But now that I am where I am with my boyfriend and where our lives are going and you know, the, I have the career that I've wanted and, and all that other stuff for me, it's more so feeling those things. I was so good at being by myself because I, I fixed myself after all of that. And then I was good for a few years by myself. And I was going through all of these emotions by myself. And now I'm going through those things again with somebody else 24 seven. Mm. And so it's reteaching myself to feel all of those emotions I'm okay with being by myself and doing it with myself, but now I have to share that with another person. And it was originally, oh my gosh, are they going to judge me for, you know, uh, me crying on a Tuesday night about whatever it was, or, you know, I get frustrated over this, or I'm really happy about this, or are they going to be happy about it too? And experiencing all of those things that I was used to experiencing alone now with somebody else, because that's entirely different. Yeah. That's a absolute, like, I will say the, one of the best feelings I've had in this past year, because there aren't that many, I can see them all in my brain at once. (laughs) One of the best feelings I had in this past year was saying, being completely honest about how I felt about something or like a a personal shortcoming that I had made to a person I care about, which happens to be my boyfriend, but could be your friend or a family member. I was just completely honest about how, how I was feeling and the reaction I got back I was like, this is the best feeling on earth Uh that there was no judgment. And it was just like, I feel this way. Sometimes it's happened to me too. And you're like, Oh my Uh God, I don't have to all those little, I don't even want to call them lies, but all those little, like, yeah, I'm okay. That you say to people throughout the day when you can, and you know that your relationship is at a point where you kind of test it by being like, I'm actually not okay in this way. And then you see them kind of go like, tell me more. And you're like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> like what? Yep. A- and then you realize that you're just describing how human relationships are supposed to work uh-huh. because we've all, you know, had so many bad things happen to us. We build up these, you know, you hear them referenced in dating shows all the time, but you build literal like walls around yourself to be like, I can't let anybody hurt me there again. But when you find that you trust somebody, you can let some of them down and then you can just genuinely have the most like honest relationship with people, it's so rewarding. It's like the the thing I've learned. The other part of that is that like, I used to hear the phrase, trust yourself. And it sounded like something you would say if you were full of yourself, where you're like, oh, I can't trust myself. I don't know everything. But what I've learned is that when you trust other people, you're not, that doesn't mean you're assuming they know everything. You trust them. And if they say something that seems like it might not be right, you challenge them on it. You push back. Trusting doesn't mean you just let them tell you how it is. Trusting them means that you know that you can voice if, so if you're doing that with yourself, it doesn't mean that you're always right. It just means trust yourself so that when something you think doesn't feel right, you can investigate and interrogate it. And then you'll figure out. It's just like trusting, having a relationship with yourself is the biggest thing I've learned this year. Isn't it amazing? It's crazy. I, I really am. I can't even look at you anymore because I want to be in the room that you're in. Oh, stop <laughs> it. The room that I, am. I, I still have Christmas lights back here for those who are all of you who are audio listeners, Christmas lights. And I'm sitting on two blankets thrown over my sheets because I cleaned my comforter yesterday and it took too long to dry. So last night it was time for bed and it was still wet. And so I had to grab two blankets from the couch and I was like, these are our comforters now. But the reason I love Dan is that he was like, oh, this is cool. It's like a sleepover. And I was like, you're, I felt the same way, but that doesn't make any sense because we are technically in bed. It's not like a cool, but anyway, we built a tent and then we went to sleep. How great is that feeling of like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to project. So if I'm overstepping Katie, please tell me, 
But like, how great is that feeling of like coming out of a relationship that wasn't what you had hoped it would be? And you feel, you know, whatever you feel or whatever like that. And you meet somebody and you get to a point where you're like, can it be like this every day? Like, can it always be this <laughs> yes. good? Yeah. Like, it's, am I, like, I just might be this in love every day for the rest of my life. And it almost feels wrong because it's just like, this is amazing to find someone that like, you really do feel that, like that, that truth, that confidence that I can tell you anything. We can do whatever a situation happens and we don't have a comforter. So we get to sleep with blankets tonight. And it's like, cool. As long as we're doing it together, I don't care what we sleep with. Yeah. Like, it's super fun. I don't want any single people to feel like you're being excluded from no, this sorry. because no, no, because you, this can happen with friends. It's obviously different in different ways, but like these types, any type of relationship, like think of that moment with your friend where like they called you out on something and then you guys got like laughed about it and you grew as people. And then you look mm -hmm. back on that and you're like, man, friends are cool. And same thing with like love. And also if you don't have it right now, it can be something that you, look forward to forming with other people, knowing that these types of relationships exist should give you hope that like you, that is something you deserve and you will find because like being yourself with another person who's being themselves is oh, so rewarding. So it's nice. also, you know, there are people who are not themselves and that's what's scary, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's like, I feel like the point of life is to get to a point where you can be your truest self, your best self, and with another person who also is their truest and best self. And then you can be encouraged and excited to make each other better. That's like what I love about people at this point in time. Apparently, <laughs> controversial statement to love people. Um, but, you know, people do stupid things. But I think if they were working on themselves, they would do less stupid things. Personally, speaking of stupid things, let's get to some of them, because some of the topics today or <laughs> one in particular I can think of is very infuriating and frustrating. And hopefully we can find a little bit of peace with it. Um, oh, do we have official pod business stop? How long do we have you for? Um, the, just this week and yeah, not this, even you don't. It's just this episode, right? It's just this episode. And then, yeah, well, Travis didn't really let me know what the Wednesday stuff entails. He said, you I think I, I, I think it. I have to do it myself, which is fine, because last week I tweeted this. Uh, we didn't have an episode. Sorry to anybody who doesn't uh, look at other social media and you were just like, where's the Thursday episode? I booked somebody and something that they had previously scheduled got rescheduled. And look, I booked them the day before and they're a friend of mine and I'm not going to be like, no, you must. And so I was just like, let's cancel it. But the good news is I now have two uh, guests booked to record this week. So one will drop this week and one will probably drop the next week. They are Jay Billis and L. Duncan, two incredible humans. Wow. So you'll get to hear from both of them at some point. I know you're mad at me for scheduling. I know I'm very bad at it, but I promise I'm getting better and so i would love if we could all just like be pretty chill about it uh it's the worst hardest part of my job i can talk about anything for any amount of hours but if you're like hey can you schedule four different people at times that don't conflict with things happening in your apartment or myrtle's feeding schedule or each other it's it's very hard. It's a puzzle that I don't like solving because it involves a lot of like, how about this day at this time? Okay, what about this day at this? And I just want to be like, when works for you, I'll make it work. So anyway, that's a long speech to say, please don't yell at me. I'm very vulnerable at this time. Um, before we get into sports, uh, today's podcast is also brought to you by Brooklinen. The very sheets I'm sitting on, which by the way, I washed because I think Myrtle is shedding more now because it's the spring. That makes sense to, to me. And I need that because my house is covered in dog hair in a way that part of it's because I went away for a little bit. And so no cleaning was being done and 
even when I'm here, it's barely any, but like it, it, there is hair everywhere. And so I washed the sheets yesterday and the second I put them down and like I said, comforter was in the washer. Myrtle comes sprinting in from the dog park, jumps up on the sheets and rolls around. And I was like, well, there goes the entire purpose <laughs> of washing these sheets. You bitch, which I'm allowed to say because she is a female dog. But yeah. uh, boy, was I pissed. But Brooklinen, who we love so much. Uh, how how would I? How do you want me to tell the people about Brooklyn? That was oh, the greatest thing I've ever You can hang. Yes, it's perfect. You can change. You can hang your chair back up now. All right, cool. All right. All right. Oh Give my god. Just so again, so that the listeners understand, he's uh, for the most of this podcast, the entirety of it, in fact, he's been sitting on a chair that's hanging from the ceiling, a cedar ceiling above him. Uh, when he went outside and grabbed his massive wind chimes, maybe they're always that big. Maybe I've just never seen them, but those are massive. He came back in and unhooked his chair and instead hung up his wind chimes and then proceeded to play them. And then he brought in a smaller set of wind chimes and he played those as well. And now the seat's back up and he's just going to trust that he can put his whole body weight right back onto that chair. Nothing bad will happen to him. Welcome back, Dop. Hey, thanks for having me. What an experience that was. I've that was got so a, wonderful. I've got a beam above me that spans nice. the whole room. Oh. And so I've got three, I installed um, three hooks into them so that That's I could hook perfect. anything to it. So I got a chair here and then we got two hanging plants on the next couple. So I mean, I have a, I hung a picture the other day. F uh, five of the seven walls in this room are painted. Good so for you. Katie. I also do home improvement projects. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. I just don't, you know, maybe I don't finish them, but. I got two command hooks with three hoodies on them that says otherwise. So right. <laughs> I live at a, in a dorm. I'm a college student in every way, except I'm old. Right. And you're not supposed to keep living this way, mm. but I do. Oh, another big thing that like, let me just pat myself on the back. I had a very, I've had a, a years long personal nightmare that I haven't talked much about on this podcast that a big step in was completed today. And I think it might finally be over. And so like, that's where the weird energy I'm bringing today is coming from. I may finally be out of the woods on something that has been a personal hell for a very long time. And so, like, mm -hmm. shout out to that. Moving forward, onward, upward, all that. Heck yeah. Um, speaking of moving forward, onward, upward, women's basketball, women's college basketball this season was awesome. Uh, their championship mm -hmm. has happened. I should say our championship has happened already. <laughs> Stanford beat Arizona and won their first uh, title in 29 years. Clearly, it was a Pac-12 battle. This was a big game for uh, for the Pac-12 because, you know, as the coaches of both teams said that the that they deserve respect and that conference has not gotten it and they have great basketball players, uh, one of which was Ari McDonald, who played for Arizona. She got Pac-12 player of the year. She had 26 points in that game against UConn. Uh, she played a great game. Uh, but, you know, Stanford got it done. They got it done uh, at the last second. Uh, well, at the last second, Aaron McDonald tried to hit a, a jumper that didn't go in because she was swarmed by three defenders. Either way, it was a great game. Clearly close, 54 to 53. Uh, and I am happy 
about the response to women's basketball this season. I mean, it started the way that, unfortunately, we've talked about this before. Things often start with women's sports entering the mainstream narrative. It was because of a controversy, which was, mm -hmm. you know, based on the fact that the <laughs> weight rooms were two completely different levels of um, in quality, I guess, is the nice way. The PC way to phrase that uh, it was garbage. They had a garbage uh, workout facilities and the men didn't. And what I think I've said here before was that what frustrated me was that once it got called attention to, it was like fixed immediately in a way that made it feel like if it was that easy to fix, why didn't you do it in the first place? But a thing we've talked about before is that you've got to acknowledge progress, even when it's not as far of progress as you want it to be. And the fact that things were equated, things were equaled out and made back to what they should have been originally is better than a situation where they still say they don't care and it continues the way that it was. So I feel, again, hopeful uh, about college basketball. And boy, did we have some fun players to watch this year uh, to get you hyped. We also had the interesting discussion about uh, whether the uh, – NCAA should allow women to do the one and done instead of what most of them must do is, which is graduate. Cause I think you got to be 22 to enter the league that we've had started having serious discussions about that and big names in the sport like Gino Ariema have gotten involved in the discussion on the player advocate side, which is huge. Um, and so it's as usual, I'm finding the discussion around college sports as I do with most other sports when it's the women's side to be more productive than the conversation when we try to have it around men's sports. Like, I feel like women's sports may end up being the key, though many see it as the reason it won't happen. I like to see it as it could be the key to figuring out how to compensate uh, college athletes, because I just think that the conversations are deeper and from a better place of understanding than they've been in men's sports. But that also could just be me as a woman projecting my love of myself onto women's sports. Um, one thing that was brought up online that I find to be a very interesting discussion, I would like to get both of your opinions on. Somebody said that we need the women need to have their own like one shining. Oh, maybe we can't say that a singular luminescent point in time. The song mm -hmm. that plays over the uh, highlights package of the whole tournament. Uh, and I agree. But what I said, and I think I feel pretty strongly about this, is I need the women's song to slap in a way that the mm -hmm. that one moment doesn't for me. I've said before, and Dop, I forget where you stand on this. I hate that song. I don't mm -hmm. like it. I hate Do it. Do you too. like okay? No. Oh, that's right. You I knew my heart knew I had an ally. So I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure Dop agrees with you. But people don't like that because I understand it's nostalgia and it means something to them. I don't have that nostalgic connection with it. And so I'm no. like, this is weird for a highlights package. It just doesn't really mesh. It doesn't, yeah. it sounds too like we're gonna do it. And you're like, it's already <laughs> done. So um, but yeah, so it, women's sports. Whenever they do these, again, another thing I've ranted about a lot on this podcast, sorry, is that when women's sports have things, we always name them stuff like she believes and like things that are about like girls can. And it's like, I think we're past that now. It's, it sound, it's starting to sound condescending where it's like, yeah, we can and we did and we will. So it's like, I need this women's song to I, be sentimental, be emotional because it is recapping this journey that co that these college athletes have been through from the start of the season or the start of their careers until now it means something but i want it to also be like you did that 
like celebrating them, how great they were and the greatness that they have instead of like anyone can do it if they try, Mm. because we always have to shoulder that burden in sports. And I feel like one shining moment shoulders that burden already. And so let's get a song for this highlight package that's just straight up awesome and empowering instead of being like, good job. You did it. Fair. I 100 percent agree with you. First off, I'm, I think we should talk to Boy Genius, which is uh, Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus's band, and just see if maybe they want to write one for us. Because like, Dop I, is that... working for Big Bridgers. He's, yeah. uh, it's time to, <laughs> you clearly are on the dole because I... you're, you're really hyping up Bridgers mania here. Well, she's, I mean, the, the record was very Great. good. I'm just saying, like, they, they the, the, the trio, the trio of them is fantastic. Mm. I, I am 100% with you. First off, I hate One Shining Moment. Like, it is 100% nostalgia driven. Yeah, just it is not like if you watch it nowadays, like it's not like a, that's cool. It's like that's that's weird. It feels weird to watch a highlights package to that. So it's like there is some stuff I understand where like tradition comes from. This should not be one of them, man. Like get me hyped, get me pumped. Like this, this is reenacting and replaying like some of the greatest moments that have like happened as a part of this tournament. Don't don't give me that. So like I'm I'm totally with you. My question is, who do you want to do it? Do you have someone in so mind? So I have, I do. And it's Megan the Stallion. And here's why. Ooh. Yes, I just think. And now I hear you on the like, this tradition is dumb. I think I where I come from is like, I accept me not liking the men's song to me is now something that I'm like, that's a strength. I don't need them to get rid of it. Let them keep it because people really, really love it. But let's make the women's one better. Way better. Way the people that don't like the men's one can be like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then make that a tradition. Traditions don't have to be boring. They can be exciting and new and fun. You start them and then they become a thing. So like, I'm just saying Meg could do it. I think, or like city girls, I could do a city girls moment, one shining moment. Uh, or, Or, you know, Phoebe Bridgers. I think she would say she's a little sad. Yeah her solo stuff. She would totally say that. And she would be too sad for this moment. She would be sad is great. It's just not great right not now for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't I really want it corny. I don't want it to be Taylor Swift just because I feel like she does everything. Mm-hmm. Mm. And know? I think and this is no disrespect to Taylor Swift, but I feel like it would be, she would feel like she has to be something other than who she is to live up to yes. the power of that moment. And you would just yeah. be like, no, just, we wanted you to be yourself. Something different. Yeah. yeah. It would be a lot of pressure on her. Somebody said Miley Cyrus. I have not uh, familiarized myself with much of her new stuff since she went through. Uh, I like her new stuff. I bet I would too. Um, so she's, you know, in the run, in the running, I guess there's pro- also millions of people that I just don't know about. Cause I'm an old white lady that probably <laughs> would be great options, uh, that I just can't, uh, offer at this time. So don't use this as a, as a final list that are the yeah. only contestants available. I'm sure the Reddit will blossom into a, a I put Kesha helpful. on that list too. I just like to say this. Ooh, I love, she's been through a lot. Yes. She's been through I, a I bunch. I feel like, like she would write something just that girl knows absolutely it. slaps. And she's that yeah. Song, she had that song about being a woman that had like saxophone or like trumpets in it. And I walked down the streets of New York city to that pre pandemic of like, this makes me feel really great. So yeah, I'd be in on that. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that's exactly the type of vibe you need is it's like we've been hearing for so long, like you can do it too. Just 
believe in yourself and you can be one of those women too. And it's like, well, okay, we've done it. We've, we've been there. We are yeah. now here. It's not like, now oh, it's like, all right. oh, good for the women. Also yeah. Now it's like, all right, sports. we're here. So it's like, this is what we've done. And yeah. like, I need something to hype me up about it. Yeah. I'm glad we're all on the same page about that. I mean, Christine, I assumed you'd agree since that's what oh, you of course, get paid that's, to do, but yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm glad to hear we're on the same page. Uh, Dop, I know because you're a, a sexist pig, you wanted to talk about the men's <laughs> wow. NCAA tournament, wow. which Christina and I talked about it and uh, we were like, yeah, I guess we can. And so you said that it's one, the best college game of any sport that you've watched in your lifetime. I agree with that. Yes. I agree with you that. Can it. I tell you, you why? <laughs> yes. Yes. I just, I'm doubling down on the ingredients there. Uh, I had, I, for the record, I had UCLA in the finals against Baylor. So like for the bracket, I was watching, but like I had, I mean, I just picked a bracket. I picked random teams. I didn't, I didn't know. Anything. Me too, but I had Gonzaga playing at Baylor in the final. <laughs> did you really? I did. Yeah, it, they're, they're both number one seeds. It's like, oh, cool. I went with chalk <laughs> and I deserve to brag about it. Like, eh. that's so good. Uh, so here's the deal. I, I feel like it is the best game that I have watched because UCLA was supposed to be an underdog. Everybody talked about how Gonzaga was supposed to be able to just steamroll them. And it was mm-hmm. back and forth, like, like knockdown, drag out basketball, shot for shot the entire way. And it gets all the way down to the very end of the game as UCLA is doing this thing that nobody thinks that they were going to be able to do, including Vegas. And you hit that final layup with 3.3 seconds left. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm going to get double overtime. That was close. And then to have the game end on that bank shot, like on that three, it was just like, I don't care about either of those two teams. It's just like that emotional roller coaster in those five seconds of of a live sporting event is something that I have just missed so much. And it was so phenomenal to be able to watch it. So it was, it was probably just for me. I didn't get to, I didn't watch like Grant Hill, Christian Leitner. Like I didn't watch college basketball back then when that was like a big play. So Mm. that was just, Uh, it was, that was it. Just to play. I love that. I agree with it. I love that last shot. Uh, I thought it, Fantastic game, obviously. Fantastic to, game. To play devil's advocate, okay, which is what you call it when you advocate for Skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let me read you what he tweeted after the game. No idea how you can call that an all-time great college basketball game when it was won by a lucky shot. Dop, your thoughts? <laughs> I <clears throat> think... <laughs> That if you want to minimize what those kids did over that entire game to one lucky shot, and that's how you're going to define the game, then you're looking at sports wrong. Like, that's just, you don't look at sports that way. The game itself was incredible. It was won by a lucky shot. And that lucky shot is what makes sports sports. I mean, I... Like we do football, right? It's like this weird, like shaped ball that bounces in like a million different directions. And when something <laughs> lucky happens, it's not like, oh, wow, well, that shouldn't have counted as like whatever. Or like that doesn't like that's so ridiculous. Like sometimes those moments are just like, are you kidding me? And like, that's also, what we witnessed. I mean, I think you could argue that it's not a l- lucky shot. No, he was well inside the, the half court line. So like, he was like he halfway was- between half court and the three point line. 
you know that he shoots those in practice. You know yes, that he and does. And you could also say that like getting that in is impressive, not lucky. It's just weird when we choose to call it lucky. And I'm particularly sensitive to it when it's college athletes who aren't being paid and we diminish their skills right before they may be about to go get paid by saying that it was a lucky shot. I think that's wildly irresponsible. But I'll also say that's like saying when a football game ends on a Hail Mary, we don't like it. Right. That's exactly all the Hail Mary for a reason like that. It's like throwing it up and hoping something happens. And when it ends that way, it's awesome. Yeah, that's exactly why I would say it's one of the greatest games I've seen because it because it ended on something that you weren't expecting. That's what made it so great. So to say, oh, just because it ended on a lucky shot doesn't make it a great. That's what made it a great game. Yeah, that shot being a shot that you don't normally get in is why taking that shot then is so cool. Not why Mm. it's so bad. It's because he knew he only had like three seconds, Jalen Suggs, to fire off a shot. And that was the one he had to take and knew he had to hit it and he hit it. So where in there is the like, he didn't mean to hit it or like he only hit it because the wind blew. Like what he hit it. Why does it matter if it was lucky? If he had missed it, you'd be lambasting him for taking that shot instead of doing something else. But he got it. So who cares? Right. Right. I'm 100%. Sometimes when I just watch the way other people watch sports, I'm like, why do you do this? You clearly don't like it. It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? It's like it's you. Like, d- what it? Why did you want it to be like numbers on a? Why do you get more fun out of reading like a box score than you do out of watching a game? That shot wasn't the whole game. Like nope. you said, Dob, it was back and forth. It was like an intense basketball game. So if the last shot invalidated it to you, then okay. But maybe keep that to yourself. Is that like something Skip Bayless isn't familiar with? Like keeping it to yourself? Just like, I, I didn't I, enjoy I mean. the thing everyone enjoyed. Like, I don't know. It's like people yeah. tweeting. I guess it would be like people tweeting that they didn't like Ted Lasso, which I get mad when people do because I'm like, you're just doing that to try to convince me to watch it because you know that I haven't watched it and you know that I've only seen the best praise heaped onto it. And that stresses me out. Yeah. You're almost, you're, you're sort of, you got a real sticky wicket here, Nolan. I do. Because like, a real sticky wicket. It, like it's such a high bar that you've set for it, but like, it is a really great show, but how does it live up to that bar? Because everyone, you know, has talked about it. So it's going to be. Do you want to be- know what I'm most afraid of? I'm most afraid of not being disappointed by it, watching it, not liking it. And missing out on like the be, realizing that I don't have as much in common with people that I like as I thought I did, mm-hmm. or like wondering why I don't like the thing everybody else that I respect likes, and that spiraling me because I have not interacted with humans that much over the last year. And I don't have all these other things I can look at of like, okay, if I don't like this show, it's okay because my personal relationships are all normal and everything's going well. It's like, well, I don't know really how everything's doing, and I don't know if this last year of my life has been very singular to me or if it's a universal experience and if everyone's saying the show is awesome and I watch it and it doesn't do it for me am I broken well I think that's a really interesting point to say it's not that you're fearful that you know what everybody's saying is wrong it's the fact that if you don't like it well now you can't partake in the joy that it brings everybody else yeah and it, it's something that i mean i i've gone through the same thing with like game of thrones 
I tried so hard to get into that show because everybody else that I know and love is obsessed with it. And I just, everything in me does not like it. And Mm. so it's just not anything I can talk about. And I've been made fun of for it. I've been told that I need to give it a try again and again and again. And the more times I watch it, I'm not going to convince myself to like it. Um, but yeah, I think it, 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 the fear of missing out for me is so high when it comes to something like not that. High I don't think you watch game of Thrones. Does well, exactly feel better to know that the v- people who were heavily invested in game of Thrones were not rewarded in the way that yes, they actually for mm-hmm. their investment, because it was an investment to get into game of Thrones. If you have a wandering sense of attention, uh, which is the soft way I describe what uh, I'm afflicted with, which is just <laughs> it's very hard for me when every character has three names each and none of them are like Steve or G- Kevin, like names. Well, I'm And used they're to dying hearing. off left and right. You can't yes. keep track it's, of anybody or anything. Hard, and there was a lot of lore and there was obviously books. And then there, we reached a point where we weren't going on the books anymore. And then things started to just people were hopeful that like, man, they're going to pay this off and what they learned is that the reason the guy who wrote it is having such a hard time continuing to write it is because it's hard to pay off properly and instead it felt like they just were like eh, we're gonna pay it off with these things this character is gonna do this which is completely out of character for them and doesn't make any sense but we need to wrap this thing up because we got a new show we have to go make and that sucks <clears throat> but from what i've heard ted lasso doesn't do that everybody loves it put me in the love it camp i know it's just, I, I did watch it and my boyfriend immediately loved it it took me a little while to warm up to it because at mm. first i was like it, it started off a little corny and mm. so at first i was like oh this is a little gimmicky a little corny and then i think once i allowed myself to say stop judging that because that yeah. is the thing that's making it so nice and wonderful and like a release from whatever else is going on. Once you accept that, then it's like, this is so wholesome and this is so nice. And so once I like got over the fact that it was a gimmicky or corny type of, you know, humor, whatever it was, I fully appreciated it. Yeah. I think that's a big lesson learned for me, at least in quarantine was that anything you're watching, consuming any, you know, art and I'm using air quotes because you, I don't know some people would be like, it's not art to make a cartoon. I think it is anything creative that was created that you're consuming. If you can give yourself to it and just trust it and be Mm -hmm. like, let me just accept what it's trying to do and try to find what it's trying to tell me uh, instead of being distracted by how they're telling me you'll, you may, it may not be your favorite thing ever, but you can get something out of any show. It's like how I came to really appreciate the challenge where I was like, all right, these people are not, you know, the brightest. They're all, they, a lot of them have like issues with their like way they interact with each other that they're not really aware of. A lot of them are problematic. A lot of them are toxic. A lot of them are this and that. But if you give yourself to it and you watch them change season to season. And then you're like, I feel like I'm watching humans work through their issues Mm -hmm. in probably a very unhealthy way, but some of them are reaching very healthy places and I'm watching them grow. And it's just like, that's just the challenge. That's a very dumb competition reality TV show that takes itself too seriously. But once you get over how obvious it is when TJ, the host is reading lines that he messed up live, or once you get over the stupid graphic that they put in and how corny it all is you can appreciate it for what it's trying to do 
And so that's, I think, the lesson behind Ted Lasso. But I'm too scared to find out. I watched it a month ago. So, like, I was real late, like, super late to the train. And uh, I had all the same worries that you had of just everyone was just nonstop adulation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll watch it someday. And then I'll come on here and be like, why didn't you guys make me watch it? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's just where we're at. Uh, Here's a fun story. Uh, Major League Baseball. Let's start at the beginning because we haven't talked about this at all. Everybody should know this, but to catch you up, Major League Baseball has removed the All-Star game from Atlanta because of the uh, voting laws that were recently passed there, which we'll get to in a second. And uh, they removed it. I believe the first thing was the Braves released a statement basically saying like, we disagree with this and they shouldn't have done this. And it was poorly informed or whatever. And then now the newest development that we have here is that Texas governor Greg Abbott announced on Monday afternoon that he will not be throwing out the first pitch at the Texas Rangers home opener, which was scheduled to happen because of major league baseball's response to voting laws recently passed in Georgia, which if I may on the most surface level, just say no, no one's disappointed. No, um, I, I know that throwing out a first <laughs> pitch is a big deal to the person who throws it. Um, it I I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I just don't think people are like, oh, well, if the governor of Texas isn't going to throw out the first pitch, well, then I ain't going because it's like it's most of the time you're still getting your hot dog at that point. You're probably not out there paying attention. So what you did, sir, was you canceled a big day for you um, over because you and you think that people are going to be like, oh, no. So I find that to be stupid. Uh, yes. But. What he said was, uh, quote, I was looking forward to throwing out the first pitch at the Texas Rangers home uh, opening game until at MLB adopted what has turned out to be a false narrative about Georgia's election law reforms. It is shameful that America's pastime is being influenced by partisan politics, which I completely agree with in the sense that (laughs) you are being partisan and political when it comes to being asked to throw out a first pitch because the argument against the voting laws recently passed in Georgia is that they are discriminatory. They limit people's access to voting and wanting everyone to have access to vote is not partisan. It is the basis of our government. Both parties are supposed to want as many people who can vote as possible to be able to vote. That's how you get an election result that hopefully reflects the desires of the people, which I don't know if this is controversial to say, but it suddenly feels like it is, is the point of democracy. Like, ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the thing that I think most people assume, and I'm, I'm basing this off the fact that he said the phrase, MLB adopted what has turned out to be a false narrative. So, it sounds like a bunch of people who didn't know what it was really about discovering that what the ML, the stance that MLB took was actually, they were mistaken, which is so detached from reality because it's a 
governor saying this, so you should be completely familiar with what the voting laws are before you say it, like, turned out that the thing they think actually isn't the truth. But the way it's phrased that way is because you and me and Joe Baseball fan have not read the extent of the bill that was passed, and we depend on other people who know more than us to inform us on those things. So when a governor comes out and says it's a false narrative, it's like, you should have to tell me why, but when you say it has turned out to be a false narrative. That sounds like somebody somewhere discovered something was being said about it, but the governor doesn't know. And now that the governor knows, he's not going to throw out the first pitch, which to me is the definition of partisan politics. You got your talking points and you were told that this disagrees and this is actually the argument we're taking. This is the party line now. And so you broke an agreement based on a party line. Because the laws are not, you could, there is debate over whether they restrict voting or actually increase access to voting. They do a little bit of both, but mostly restricting voting. And the ways in which they do that, because we didn't read the law, but I did research because I don't want you to have to read the law, is that it shrinks the window for early and absentee voting, which means they, what, what's wrong? No, keep going. You're right. That finger made me seem. Yeah, no, I'm just no, you're doing it right. You're doing because I'm just feeling it. They love you. Uh, (laughs) So they don't they used to allow voters to request ballots six months before Election Day. And now it's 78 days before and counties can begin sending ballots 29 days before it used to be 49 days before. And so my question with that is what from what we learned in the last election, because you would have to assume any bill being passed right now into a law is a reaction to something that went wrong before. What happened in this last election that made them say it would be a good idea to shorten the amount of time the post office has to get you your ballot? Because to me, what we learned in the last election was that the post office was fallible and there could be complications when a bunch of people wanted to vote by mail and that making that more time doesn't give you much of an advantage, but making it a short time just it's like booking two things directly back to back on your schedule Mm -hmm. to make this something I can relate to. It's like having (laughs) something that's supposed to go from one to two and then Mm -hmm. booking your next thing two to three instead of going, well, that one to two might actually take until three. So I'll have my one to two booked and I'll book my next thing at three 30, just in case, give myself some wiggle room. Why would shortening wiggle room fix a problem that we've recently found out? I would say, and this is my opinion that that would actually make the problem worse or potentially make the problem disastrous for people who want to vote by mail, which I believe historically are Democratic voters. But I don't care about that. I care about if you are voting by mail, you should be able to do that in a way that if you get it in at the right time, it gets there and you voted and it counts. The other ways that they're restricting the vote is that county and state can now send mail ballot applications only to voters who request them. It used to be that they could just a county could say we're sending everybody a mail in ballot, even if they intend to vote in person. And now they can only send it specifically if you request them, which I bet has a whole process to it. Mm -hmm. There are new voter ID requirements, Um, voter ID laws. Uh, in 2014, were found that they reduce voter turnout by two to three percentage points, uh, which could be tens of thousands of votes in a state. 
uh, and that minority voters disproportionately lack ID. Nationally, up to 25% of African-American citizens of voting age lack government-issued photo ID, compared to only 8% of white people who lack uh, uh, an ID. So they are they discriminate. It's been found in many studies, and so they've increased their voter ID requirements. There's a limit on the number of ballot drop boxes during early voting, and those are located at polling places instead of being in neighborhoods that are a little bit far from polling places. So instead of making it more convenient, you still have to go to the place to vote in order to drop off your vote, which is limiting. Um, and there's a bunch of others. It's very boring. I know this is very boring, and I know I could potentially get in trouble for saying any of this because it's politics and sports. Here's my problem. This is injecting politics into sports. Major League Baseball is a business, and that is used in its defense in ways that frustrates me at times. And then in situations like this, nobody steps up and says, Major League Baseball is a business, and if, you, if they want to make a decision that they feel is right for their business, they're entitled to do that. And this is the government saying you're being punished. I mean, by not throwing out a first pitch, but I'm, I'm taking something away from you because you took a stand that I disagree with. And that is politicizing sports. It's why it's so hard to not be able to talk about this kind of stuff because I don't want I'm not an incredibly political person. I also think a lot of things that are not politics are framed as politics. And whenever you discuss them, uh, people are like, you're political. And it's like, no, I just believe in people. And I don't think we should discriminate against people based on what they look like or where they're from or how they identify. So this is very frustrating. Reading a law and having to describe it in a way that's very black and white so that there is no confusion that I'm not advocating for anything except the fact that this is a business that made a decision and is now being told that they're making it political when what they're trying to do is use their powers to advocate for the existence of our political system, mm -hmm. never mind one side or the other side. And that's why I'm angry. You just Did took me to church, to Katie Nolan. I mean, I'll tell you I what. Just... I was about to say amen. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, I'm a there's also just a ban on handing out food and water within 150 feet of a polling place or within 25 feet of any voter, which if anyone's ever waited in a very long line, which often happens in densely populated urban areas, people hand out water to encourage you to please not leave. You have to stay in line because if you leave line, the, the polls have closed and you won't be able to vote. And so now they're limiting the ability to feed and provide water to people who are trying to fulfill their civic duty. I think there's a really big disconnect here where a lot of people, like for me, I've never been in a voting line like that. My voting experience doesn't look anything like what this law is trying to potentially limit. Um, and I think that that's a really big part of it is people aren't interested in being able to understand like, well, you know, like my voting experience, I just show up to a polls and I'm done in five minutes. Like, why does, you know, that's not how it works always. Like that's not I how that all I've, I read that voter ID restrictions are are uh, discriminatory, and I I didn't understand how at first. I'll be honest. I was like, well, I just have an ID. Everybody has an ID, but sometimes you forget to forget yourself, and you forget to remember that there are other people whose experience is not similar to yours. And right. studies have proven that voter ID laws disproportionately affect the black vote in America, and that is. It's always coming up and always being worked into these bills when we know on paper, on the record, that that's the effect that they have. So to me, if you're going to argue 
that that wasn't your goal, then you need to tell me why you felt motivated, what your goal is, what motivated you to include voter ID laws, because the amount of fraud that happens by a person showing up and trying to cast a vote as somebody that they aren't is such a tiny, tiny percentage. And most of the time, it's a clerical error that they messed something up in the paperwork. It isn't a person trying to vote that isn't the person they claim themselves to be. So that's not a big problem that needed fixing. So then why is this an increased restriction, if not for the seemingly obvious, very bad reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not to mention that, you know, it's on the heels of Georgia. Yep. And all the things that happened in this last year in Georgia in terms of voting and the color of the state that it ended up being. It just feels like we're letting people say it's a false narrative without backing that up with any facts. Well, that's really great when you don't have to back it up because you're just that mouthpiece that other people can take as though that was solid fact that he said it because, well, he said it was a false narrative. And so now people that, I mean, it's super dangerous, obviously. And I was pretty excited. Um, You know, I saw Derek Jeter and the Marlins came out with a, a statement saying that they agreed with Major League Baseball. And I just don't think this is like, here's my question. I, I feel really strongly about the same way that you do, Katie understanding the divide that we have feels like it's only going to get bigger. It almost feels like this Pandora's box has been opened after like all of these things that like maybe I hoped or felt, or maybe I just was more less cognizant to it, but I thought our country was in a better place than what we were. And now I definitely don't feel all the things that I, I used to think. So how do we get to the point where you can start to be able to heal from all of that and everything isn't looked at as though it's political within sports? Because a lot of, like you're saying, a lot of what is being said as political. I agree with you. Like that's not political. Like you're talking about democracy. Yeah, it's it, ta- it might be political, but it's not partisan. Correct. Like, it's yeah, not sorry. like yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I because normally political means partisan. In this situation, it is the rare occurrence where it's like we are talking technically about politics, but not one side versus the other. It's the actual political system that the Major League Baseball exists within. Yeah. Yep. It's just interesting seeing that, you know, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, as more and more things continue to happen in our country, it's only going to I just wonder, like when it when it reaches a point, you know, how the the healing takes place or how do we bridge that divide where you're not talking about, you know, Colin Kaepernick kneeling as though it's a political thing and it's about, you know, something different. You know how I I wish I knew the the answer. I think that, you know, I was thinking the other day just a random white lady thought where I was like, man, I wish I could go back to being ignorant to how our justice system worked. And that was, and then, you know, you have the second thought, which is mm, a lot of people never got to have that moment where they were ignorant to how the justice system worked. And you remember that, you know, you learning about it now doesn't mean it's just starting and you wanting to be free from it. Imagine how people who have been dealing have had to know their whole lives that this was how things were quote unquote working. Like how frustrated do you think those people are? And so I think for me, the only thing I've found that's given me some peace is like, all I can control is myself. All I can control is what I believe and how I act. And some people see that as like, I've got to drop what I'm doing and become an activist. And other people see that as like, I need to be 
devoted to making sure that the things I say represent the things I believe so that I don't get myself in a situation where I, I accidentally uphold a system that I know deep down I disagree with. Because right. you, there's, there are a million ways in which you can just go, I'm so exhausted from knowing any of this, I don't want to learn any of it. But what you're doing then is participating in the system that you claim to dislike. And so uh, for me, at least, I know that I can control me and that I can uh, inform myself so that when I see a statement from this guy that says it was a, a miscommunication, I can find out how the argument is being made that this bill is supposed to expand access to voting. And the three ways is that it requires a minimum number of drop boxes that will be guaranteed. Uh, an additional day of early voting in most rural counties. That's right, one additional day of early voting. Uh, and more resources for precincts so lines don't get too long. So basically, if your line is really long and your polling is closed and it's more than an hour wait, they're supposed to open another location so that you can go and vote there. So those are ways in which this bill expands the access to the vote. Those are three ways. And I think I listed five or six. I don't know if I cut myself off too early. Seven ways in which it restricts the vote. And I can go do that research. I can make my own opinion based off of what I've read. And then I can calibrate how I react to this news, which is, sir, you are entitled to your opinion that you think Major League Baseball made a mistake. I think you're calling them stupid, which I think would be a very interesting political move to say that Major League Baseball didn't read the law before it made this decision and instead went off some narrative that it heard on TV. I would give Major League Baseball the respect to say, I bet they did their research before they made such a huge decision that is going to affect their business. You didn't feel that. That's fine. You're welcome to say I'm not throwing out that first pitch and this is a big deal to me. And I'm welcome to laugh at you because I didn't care that you were throwing out the first pitch. And it's a, it, you've turned this into a personal political argument instead of telling me that you care about the access to the vote. If you truly believed that this law expands access to the vote, your response to this would be, I'm going to use this platform to educate you on the ways in which this actually works. It does expand the vote. People are confused about how voter access works. And here's why we feel this is the best way to expand access to the vote for all Americans, not just the ones who vote for the party that I happen to be a part of. That's the way you use a statement to convey a point if you had one. I am allowed to have the personal opinion that you don't have a point because your whole statement was that you're disappointed and that Major League Baseball must have read an article somewhere that told them this was bad and then chose to cancel or have to move the all-star game. That's my answer to your question, Top. I hope it helps. It, it certainly does, Katie. Can I ask a quick question on how we handle breaking yeah. news on this podcast? How we handle what breaking news? What happened? I was just about to say, I, throughout that entire last segment, oh, no, uh, and I talk so Adam much. was texting <gasps> me the entire time. Yeah. So the Jets are trading quarterback Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for a 2021 sixth round pick and a second and fourth round pick in 2022. Whoa. So Sam Darnold will now be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. They're still keeping the number two overall pick, which means you have to assume now they're going to take a quarterback. Obviously, there's no can't they, be any they question have there. to. Well, they don't they have still, one anymore. Who do they have who uh, on offense or at quarterback behind him? Behind him on quarter at quarterback. Um, is Chad Pennington still there? I mean, no. Uh, yes, <laughs> Pennington. Uh, 
Is it number one QB, Chad Henney? Where's he at? James Morgan, Mike hmm? White. Hmm? These are fake names. These I are just, I typed. <laughs> no disrespect to them and their families. Um, okay. 2021 sixth round, second and fourth round in 2022. That's one of those like pick bouquets where you're like, yeah, I guess that even I'm not a, a football. I know you're on a draft podcast now, but like I'm not enough of a football person to immediately be like, I see which value who got the better end of that deal. So let yeah, me like, like this makes sense. Who wins that deal? Um, so I know that Mel and Todd both really like Sam Darnold still. He's still only he's what, like 24 years old. I mean, he's still a kid in this league. He's had basically nobody to throw the ball to. He got mono. He got mono. He did do that. I got and mono once, but I'm me too. also not Sam Darnold. So, well, you are to me. Thank you. You're welcome. He's going to have better wide receivers in, in, I mean, he'll have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. He'll have Christian McCaffrey as a running back. I mean, he's going to be in a way better mm. offense. The idea that they got a second and a fourth and a sixth feels like a pretty, pretty low return for what would normally be a starting quarterback. Um, but, you know, that's just because people don't believe in Sam Darnold right now. I don't know why they think Zach Wilson is going to do any better with the same supporting cast around him. Mm. I don't think the quarterback is the problem in, in New York. This podcast that I agree with Sam you. Darnold. We believe in you, Sam Darnold. Absolutely. We've DM'd like two times. I wanted to get him on always late to, uh, <laughs> to, I was like, you have mono. Let's have you just watch a bunch of all the movies that and stuff that you must be in bed watching right now. I want you to give me a review of each of them. And every week we'll air a, a Sam Darnold reviews. Oh, that's and so funny. he was funny. like, I would love to, but I can't. Can we do it after the season's over? And I was like, well, but no, but then. You won't have mono then. I was then it like, won't be really funny. sense then, Sam, <laughs> but I, I get it. So it's like, that's where my friendship stands with Sam Darnold, where I'm sure. like, yeah, yes, but now, um, what's up, Sam? Come on. Mm. You see that wouldn't work. So, you know, we support you, Sam Darnold. We believe in you. And all you got to do is believe in yourself. And then it's all going to come to you. That's what they keep telling women athletes. Believe in That's yourself. Right. He believes. Sam Darnold, he believes. What's funny is as that news was breaking, my boyfriend is a diehard Jets fan. His entire family, oh season ticket holders, they go to every home mm. game. They are. And you knew this so when you started love- dating him? Yeah, wow. it was mm. one of the things I said, you know, it, that's a thing, but I can look past it. And sure. here we are. Yeah. Um, so when I looked at my phone, I, I, got, I had a million texts from him and I said, OK, well, I'll, I'll of course read that later. Um, I love him dearly, but I'll, of course, I'll read that later. And Which then I had say a million... she opened Schefter's texts. She yes. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, spinning the narrative here, but what yeah, she wants um, you to know is that I, I a boyfriend want... texted her, but she ignored it. And then she opened Schefter's texts and realized that I, she messed um, up. I want my boyfriend to know that I love him so much. Mm-hmm. But then I had a million texts from Schefter and I went, oh, no, something is really happening. So that's when I, I opened it up. Do said, you have oh. to go? Are you his lifeline? Like, does he need you to send? Oh, no. Or something? We, uh, oh, we're going to need to retape the entire intro to the podcast. And thankfully, I did not oh, post God. before we started recording. Oh, my God. Um, we're just going to do that when he's done with all of the other uh, obligations he is now being thrown into. Fun. Speaking of new obligations people are being thrown into. Ooh, good transition game. That's vintage Ashley right there. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers watched hours of Jeopardy and prep for his hosting role that starts tonight. Where my Jeopardy heads at, because 
it's me. My entire DVR is Jeopardy episodes. And I think somewhere in this doc, somebody said, remember DVR? And I was like, hey, that feels like a personal attack. I still use my DVR to this day. I still use my cable on demand because I'm 34 and I'm not wow. ashamed of it. Okay. <laughs> I pay for cable because it's packaged with my internet and figuring out how to cancel that and subscribe to everything I need to is too frustrating and confusing to me, a person who lacks executive function. And so I use my cable login to access all the apps that you guys pay for individually. And it seems to have worked out fine for me, but my DVR is all jeopardy. And when the pandemic hit, my boyfriend and I, I was like, okay, we're going to start clearing out my DVR. We'll go back to my most recent or my, my opposite of most recent, most furthest away. Most most ancient. Yeah, yeah, most ancient. My most most ancient episode of Jeopardy, and we'll work our way back up to uh, current day. That was before the great Alex Trebek passed away. Then we reached a point in going through the DVR where I knew I was getting close to the end of Alex on Jeopardy, and we both, we didn't acknowledge it, we didn't say it out loud, but we both, like, slowed down. We didn't want to watch any more Jeopardy because it was like we only got a couple left, and I I... I love Jeopardy so much, but a part of me was like, when he goes, it should also go. It's been on TV for so long and it, he hosted it so well that sure, somebody else could host it, but I don't think we need to do that right away. Maybe someday we bring it back. I don't know. And I'm conflicted because I love Jeopardy and I'll keep watching it. So that's where I stand on the new host situation. That being said, Aaron Rodgers took this very seriously and is debuting tonight. I'm curious to know, are you guys excited? Well, first of all, do you guys like Jeopardy? And are you excited? Yes. So, yes, yes. Yeah, I, okay. I, 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 yes, yes, I do like Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yes, me too. Okay. How many answers are you getting and right by tonight, show average? Uh, oh, not a lot. I, I would I'll say I average between all the rounds. I'd say I average seven. seven. I don't know if I have an exact number, but I... I think it just depends. It depends on the category. It depends on the night. Oh, 100%. There are some nights where they do the categories and I'm like, no, no. Yeah, and I'm like, absolutely not. Never will I get that. No. But there's usually one like grammatical or word-based category and I'm usually, I can clean that up. I will say my grandfather, who is 79 years old, watches or watch, I don't know if he still does, but he watched Jeopardy constantly and thinks that he is the smartest person in the world because he can get it's a jeopardy effect. virtually every Same thing happened with they did a series a season of naked and afraid where it was a bunch of people who had uh i feel like i haven't talked about naked and afraid since dop was last on the podcast and that, <laughs> it's been a time. long it's time weird but naked and afraid they did a season where everybody who loves watching naked and afraid and has gotten themselves to the point where they think they could easily do it they did just those people and i think oh i love that, that. They all were like, yeah, no, I can't do this. This is crazy. So that's like the Jeopardy effect. Somebody thinks they're going to be good at it. They go to it and they clam up. But we all love Jeopardy. How do we feel about Aaron Rodgers hosting? Dop? I want to be excited and I'm going to, I want to watch it just because of him. Like the idea that Mm -hmm. he took it so seriously. He obviously cares. He's a student, you know, when it comes to this. But Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this the exact same way that you were talking about it, where and I understand there's maybe complications with Bob Barker, but when Bob Barker was done with the Price is Right, like that felt like his show. And then Drew Carey, it took a long time for me to be comfortable with Drew Carey. And now I feel like the Price is Right with Drew Carey just isn't the Price is Right with Bob Barker. Mm. They're, they're just two different shows in my mind. Yeah. And so I, 
I feel like, you know, anything that comes after Alex, I almost want it to be like, so like, it can't be someone that's trying to live in that same vein. It's got a, someone that is so different, brings their own personality. I'm not saying Steve Harvey needs to do it, but like just so different than like what Alex Trebek is so that it doesn't feel like the same thing because I don't think anything will ever feel like Alex, if that makes sense. I also, yeah. And I can't imagine the pressure of the way they're doing this like audition situation where it's like you get to host for a week and then you host for, I mean, I don't know if it's more than a week. I haven't been paying attention again. I'm way behind in my DVR, but uh, it's a lot. Aaron Rodgers gets two weeks, two weeks. And this is what he said. This is, this was the actual statement he made. I took pages and pages of notes. I wrote down every affirmative that he said to any type of clue. I wrote down how he would respond if they didn't get it right. I wrote down beat points of the show. I wrote down all the different ways he could take it to break. I wrote down the stuff he said coming out of break. Literally I studied for this like no other. I wanted to absolutely just crush it. Now I hope he doesn't mean I studied for this. Like I've studied for no other thing because you would think that in a football <laughs> that he studies like this for football games he might have bit. meant i studied for this like no other person would have studied for this but then you're like how do you know that because you don't know me aaron Rodgers. and i'll tell you i learned how to write a monologue for television by literally transcribing the monologues that were given by people that i like like john stewart so like i wrote them out by hand and no way them. yeah Really? I still have them all. Yeah, I transcribed them and I would then color code them to be like how many so that from afar I could see like if all the jokes were in blue and all the like uh, set up information was in red, I could see how what percentage of it visually is jokes and how much of it's information and how much of it is like pa- like package sound so that I could try to get a rhythm and figure out how to do it. It helped. Really I don't know. Yeah, don't know th- no, that's amazing. I'm still I love not good that. At it, but it was because- a process. Yeah, absolutely. Just breaking it down from that standpoint, being able to look at like, if you're right, like if this much of it is set up and then the joke is just here and then this much like it, it can help you like start to develop. That's really amazing. Well, because otherwise you get bogged down in the information and then you're like, when do I need to put a joke? And it, I'm yeah. still not perfect at it. Obviously, I didn't do it. I transcribed it, but it helped me be like, oh, na- around now, like so yeah. a joke should be coming up soon or like we need a big laugh because that was a heavy stat like make it worth it for the viewer. So I like learned those types of things. So when he says I studied for this, like no other I challenge that on both sides, whichever way he meant it and study for it. Like, no, I also would have studied exactly the same way. It's how you learn to do anything. Christina, are you excited? I know you're a big Sheen Woodley fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm actually, so I echoed what Dop said by saying, I, I'm skeptical to see what Jeopardy is going to be like without Alex, because I think that it's it's never going to be the same thing. And we all have in our minds what Jeopardy was, and it's just it's never going to be the same. So obviously, whoever replaces him or whoever we have fill his role, whatever it is moving forward, um, it's going to be different. And so accepting change is hard. So I think. I'm not going to like it as much as I'm wanting to because of the fact that I loved it before. And it's it, it was such a sad ending that now, okay, we have to accept something new and it's change and okay, we have to get used to it. I think I'm I'm wanting to be excited about it because I do think that Aaron Rodgers can bring sarcasm and a bit of I do think that he can be a different host the way Dobbs said that I think that we need somebody different in that role. And I think that he can be. So if he does do that and he leans into who he is and doesn't try to 
portray. I wrote down every way he went in and out of break. Don't do things the way he did because you're trying to be him, be you. And I yeah. think that will make it great. The, the best piece of advice I can give as a person who has hosted Jeopardy before. No, just the, <laughs> the, I think I would say to Aaron Rodgers is like studying it is half of it. Mm-hmm. Knowing how, how the last guy did it will help you when something goes wrong and you have to throw to break and you're like, what words does one use to throw to break? So you use the words he used to use. It gets you out of a situation. But the other half of it is knowing how you would do it, which if you've never hosted anything before is hard. Uh (laughs) I'm excited for Aaron Rodgers, but it used to make me so mad when I first started in sports TV, when somebody would say like, you aren't an athlete, you don't know how to do this, where I was like, yeah, but a lot of athletes don't know how to do this because the second half of the job is being able to host something, being able to entertain, being able to think on your feet, being able to manage and, and do traffic between all these moving pieces. That takes a part of your brain that I think Aaron has because of football, but sometimes skills that are related don't translate immediately or as easily. And so I would say, Aaron, the best thing you can do is quarterback Jeopardy, but use the words you learned from a guy who used to host Jeopardy, but approach it from your mindset because you'll be able to find something different or a different way to handle things that maybe Alex wouldn't have because Alex hosted that show. Use your experience to inform what you then put out into the world. Otherwise, you're just going to be the third guy doing an Alex Trebek impression, and you're not an impressionist. But you do bring something to the table, and I would like, I hope that I get to see what it is. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Cool. Now that we all agree, and Travis isn't here to say something that blows up the entire thing then we'll move on to is that travis's rule now he's yeah the one that travis does that? just kind of will be like i think this is dumb and then i'll make a big long argument that i feel like i put a lot of thought into and then i'll be like yeah but it's dumb and i'm like god <laughs> it's infuriating but getting me infuriated is good content from what i've learned uh this is a story oh also let me just throw out there uh deshaun watson now has 22 uh lawsuits 22 civil lawsuits filed against him as of today one criminal lawsuit the amount of information is is lacking and so that's why we haven't spoken about it on this podcast and why i'm not going to speak about it today there is a press conference scheduled for tomorrow where his lawyer is claiming that a lot of or maybe the lawyer representing the women that have filed the lawsuits or the civil suits are going to he's going to speak and i think we're going to get some more information so i'm not ignoring it completely i just don't want to speak on something very complicated and triggering until i know exactly what i'm talking about so just the update is it's now 22 civil suits we don't know if one of the civil suits is also the person involved in the criminal case the criminal suit that's been filed so i think we will find out more tomorrow but i don't know that's happening this story I saw over the weekend, and I'm so excited that Dop is here so that we can talk about it. Uh, it, So the story was Croatian tennis player sells ad space for an arm and an NFT. I think that's Mm. a pun, but I don't know enough to know if if it's not a pun. It doesn't matter. Um, The woman's name, Croatian tennis player, Aleksandra Olinyakova, I believe, is getting into NFTs, but while her peers are selling digital collectibles, the 20-year-old has literal skin in the game. She put up an auction on the NFT marketplace OpenSea for an exclusive lifetime ownership to part of her right arm. And in six days, 
it sold for more than $5,000. So this tennis player has sold lifetime ownership to a patch of skin on her arm for more than $5,000. And now if, if you are an OG listener, you know that what Dop brings to the table is his ability to explain complex topics. Dop is who told us, you'll remember, the sky is blue because of the reflection of the ocean. <laughs> Which I think unlocked a, no, a lot of knowledge for all of us, where we yes. all were like, I definitely did not know that. And that really helps me understand mm -hmm. how the world works. And so I was sure. hoping, Dop, you could use these next however many minutes you need to explain NFTs. Sure. Non-fungible tokens, as we like to call them within the industry, obviously. So let's start with the first part, non, meaning there isn't any. Okay, Fungible means it's not a whole lot of fun. And tokens are like when you go to an amusement park, which is sure. fun. So now you're confused because you're like non-fungible, which isn't fun, but then tokens are fun. So I understand all of that. The problem that we're coming into here is that Alexandra Olina, Ol, Ol, is my best Olinyakova, guess. Uh, I don't understand how this is an NFT. I don't understand. This is not like a digital file. It's 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 a not a, it's a not a non-fungible token. This is like a part of her body. So what part of this? I mean, well, can I, I, I would, here's what I'm picturing, whatever this non-fungible token is. So it's a, it's a thing you can't hold, right? Mm -hmm. It's a thing that you can't, you mm -hmm. can collect, but it's not a tangible, I guess, fungible thing. Um, but a lot of people have been representing them in fungible ways of like this. I've seen like necklaces that will display what your thing is. Like if you buy an NFT of a basketball highlight, you can wear a chain that runs that highlight like a GIF on a loop. I am so confused. Um, but I, but question, it, can so I also the, do that? Yeah. Like, can I, can I also just take a, a GIF and put that's, it where it is a necklace? That's what I don't understand. Um, and I was really hoping that you knower of all would be able to explain in in a way that finally makes sense to me because I get it up to the point of like digital art, I guess, of like right. you get to own this thing that nobody else owns and you own it. But mm -hmm. a basketball highlight is by definition owned by the NBA. And I would argue that if I got an NFT of a basketball highlight, that doesn't mean I can then go air it on my television show without getting in trouble because I don't have the rights to the video, though I own it technically. So the ownership of it, I know it's on the blockchain and I know when somebody says blockchain, my eyes cross because I yes. don't, I want to, I really want to, but enough chads on the internet have tried to explain it to me. And a lot of them have been patient chads. They've been hanging in their chads and, and they try their best, but I'm like, you've lost me. And I'm so I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it doesn't make sense to me. It sounds like you guys are spending a lot of money on, on nothing. And I don't, it, it gives me so much anxiety mm -hmm. that, yeah. um, that I don't know what to do with. Yeah, I'm just Here's, popping in here to say I don't understand any of this. Yeah, I, I'll tell you my biggest fear after you read this to me, Katie, and I apologize for just being this person. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this sets up like a really, we're going to have to figure some things out potentially with the adult film industry or Ooh. OnlyFans and selling like erotic parts of news. someone's Dogs, body. Erotic well, you know what I mean? <laughs> like no. if you could... 
Because, <laughs> you know, like people are and I don't want to like, you know, put anybody down for the things that the kinks or the, that they do or don't like or whatever. We but don't like, kink shame. It's just very easy. Yeah. We don't kink shame on this podcast. Good. So like if you're into something and you're like, oh, man, I can go out there and insert a male, you know, actors insert body part here. Mm-hmm. Then like, why would you not start selling that? Well, you know what I mean? Like, why would, would it, it feels like such a dangerous you- place where it could go? I think the argument that at least I've seen that makes immediate sense to me is that this person could now in the future, if this woman's career takes off, they could turn around and sell the token that they have ownership of to a company who wants to advertise on that part of her arm. So they could be like, I own the rights to that square. And if you want to put a tattoo there for your business, I'll sell it to you for the price of blank. That also seems very dangerous in terms of what somebody else has ownership of putting on your body. I mean, it's a level of comfort that you have to achieve in order to offer it. And it feels like Alexandra has reached that level and she's aware and comfortable of it. What she or her representation said in the article that I skimmed because I understood 50% of the words was that like, this is going to be a thing that happens in sports in the future. And she will always be the first person who did it. It seems like there was a lot of uh, weight granted to that of the like, look, people are going to do it. So if people are going to do it, I want to be the first. But what happens with that logic sometimes is like people don't do it. And then you Mm -hmm. did it. And then Mm. something bad comes from you doing it. I just think I don't want to sound old fashioned. I don't think we should be selling acreage of our body to Mm -hmm. people that could then sell them like now just to speak about it in the plainest terms you no longer own a part of your body your body is now your wonderland and also co-owned by whoever's whoever it is that bought the token for five thousand dollars so if at any point you something what if something happens to that spot in your arm what if she gets a gash is she liable does she have to like pay the guy back i I don't know what i would just constantly because i'm in um, this is how my brain works i would stare at the part of my skin that no longer belonged to me and it would freak me out every day that this whole body is no longer mine and it belongs to somebody else in even the tiniest little way and that if they turned out to be some political driven uh, somewhere in an extremist side of things they could do whatever they want with this section of my arm and I don't get to be like I don't agree with the views reflected here on my arm because it's your arm yeah I mean we all saw what happened when Voldemort started giving pieces of his body away you know not all of us did see it I don't know anything about it okay I thought you're not supposed to say his name Oh, sorry. You're right. He who must not be named. That's, That's really the, funny that I. The irony here—it's not lost on me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the podcast where we say the names you're not supposed to. So, uh, okay. Well, thank you for explaining NFTs, Dop. I think that was really I'm sorry. helpful to most I don't, people. I don't know anything about NFTs other than they're they're way too expensive. They got busy. Like when I see something that gets like popular overnight. My immediate thought is this just isn't going to last and my brain can only handle so much information as it is. So I'm just going to use it on things. Yeah, that's same with me. I would say it's also paired with the fact that it's a thing that got popular overnight and on its surface appears to greatly benefit the people selling it and not 
the people buying it, that's when I'm like, I don't know what this is. It yes. scares me. Yep. Somebody smarter than me will catch it before I do, because if I don't even understand what it is, then I can't understand how it's bad. And I can trust that there are smart people, fingers crossed, that know what's bad about it and are trying to fix it. Or it's not a big deal and it just freaks me out and it'll freak me out unrelated to me forever. I don't know. It could be this is either a huge deal or it's not fungible. And I don't mm. know the difference. <laughs> I don't, either. <laughs> so I don't know what don't fungible mean. means. Think they could have went with tangible. Think it would have been the same thing. Um, no. Right? I just they yeah. sound a lot alike. They do. Fungible is just funnier. That feels like it. That feels like it for the news. Uh, we covered so much of it. So many questions, but we must answer instead this one. Hey, Katie, Christina, and Tar Tarantula. Uh, one day I was driving home. Uh, in my car, listening to the radio, as one does. And the song Whistle by Florida came on the radio. Now, this song came out when I was pretty young and um, innocent, let's just say. And when I heard it again for the first time in a while, I realized that the lyrics were uh, not as clean and wholesome as I uh, once thought. I know Katie tweeted about this not too long ago, so she might have some ideas off the top of her head but uh what are some songs that you thought were clean but then realized uh that they had some pretty explicit meanings love you mean it bye oh this is actually from toronto by the way what did he say his name was i wasn't ready for it at the end oh hey. hold on bye oh this is actually from toronto by the way akshay akshay that's what it sounds like to me uh, well, thank you for your question. Love you also mean it. Yes, I did tweet about this. Yes, it was something that was bothering me. I will tell you the song that inspired the tweet was Incubus, uh, Stellar, when he says, uh, "It's it might be the only way that I can show you how it feels to be inside you. And I was like, damn, that is not, I didn't realize uh <laughs> what that meant <laughs> that he's really wants somebody to know what it feels like to be inside of them and mm. looking at the stars or whatever is the only way they might ever be able to understand that um once that clicked and i remembered singing it as loudly as i did as a kid in my parents house the house my dad paid the mortgage on it's disrespectful <laughs> of me i shouldn't have done that uh i should have been paying attention there are other songs that we knew were bad uh but they were so obviously bad that they were funny like um too close by next was a song that they used to play at our school dances and one person just had to be the person to let the school know it was a song about boners and then once we all knew that it was so silly that we were just like this is weird uh, mm -hmm. but there's other songs that you also you knew they were bad but you didn't understand them and that I would say is How Many Licks by Lil' Kim, because I uh, would knew that every word to that song. And now when I say them, I'm like, oh, I, oh my goodness. Yeah. I felt that way about Butterfly by Crazy Town. Ooh. Oh, see the double meaning of that word when you're younger. Any song about coming is just like it's you're joining mm. a party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like no crash idea. into me, crash yes. into me, and I come into you. And I was always like, what does that mean? Into your house. And now, uh, <laughs> now, I'm like, you can't say that. You can't just say that. 
Yeah. That's not, it's one of those things. It's so weird thinking that I would. Oh, and can I, here's the thing. Oh, I feel like candy shop. I'm, I'm trying to look now at a couple of them. Candy shop by 50 cent. You're right. Oh yeah. That definitely. Oh, hundred percent. That definitely had some. I'm trying to think of what I listened to the lollipop. Obviously when I was younger, I very vividly remember. I remember the first time when I was younger, I didn't understand, you know, when you're young, you don't understand certain phrases. Um, so I remember very specifically listening to um, Slave for You, I think is the name of it, by Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Um, With the number four, by the way. You. Yeah. For you. And I remember singing, rather screaming every word to that song in my childhood bedroom and my dad saying, what are you listening to? Mm-hmm. And he told me not to listen to that song because he didn't think it was appropriate that I was screaming that into my hairbrush. Uh, rightfully so. And I said, you know what? Bite me. And my dad said, what? And I went, oh no, is that something I'm not supposed to say? I thought it was a funny thing. I thought Uh it was like a, oh no, don't like, I thought it was something fun. Uh, very quickly found out Mm. that that's not something you say to your dad when you're young and well, actually really ever, uh, should not have said that. Mm. So, yeah, I think probably that song is the first one that comes to mind where it's obvious, you know, what she's singing. But to me, yeah. as a young girl, I'm, yeah. I just You're not thinking fun. about it that way. Same thing with uh, with Ludacris. Somebody else brought this up when I tweeted it. Uh, yelling the lyrics to what's your fantasy in the backseat of your parents car is like we all should have felt uncomfortable the way we are when you watch a movie with your parents <laughs> and a sex scene comes on. Yeah. But you're not thinking about like, OK. The main uh, lyric from that song being face down, butt up. That's the way I like to intercourse, right? Replaced with the words that you'd have to bleep. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're younger, you're like, I know that's a bad word. I know he's talking about sex, but you don't picture what face down. You don't picture you're not you don't have situations to compare it to. So you're just like, what? I said words. And then you get older and you're like, oh, boy. You yeah. said those words with your mom on your way to gymnastics practice. And she reacted and you were like, why are you being such a loser? It's She was right. You were wrong. The cool song. But I think that it also, to me, helps inform the when people freak out about song lyrics now and saying that we can't let the kids listen to that. I'm like, go back and listen to what you were listening to, because we shouldn't have been allowed to listen <laughs> to that either. And it's just mm-hmm. all euphemism. And at least now it's like empowering for certain people, whereas before. It was like Britney Spears, I guarantee, did not genuinely feel at that point in her life like Slave for You spoke to her in a way that was healthy and empowering. (laughs) Right. Spoke to her, it was in the wrong way, or she was Mm -hmm. being sexualized by the industry that was creating her. She wasn't like, this is what I, an empowered woman, want from my romantic relationships. Whereas now, when women say things that people are like, ugh, and get all up in arms about, they're talking about their experiences and the things they want. So I think that it made me feel better. It made me first feel freaked out by the lyrics I've sang in front of my parents. And then it made me feel comforted that I turned out okay. And it didn't make me do anything other than laugh at the fact that I said those words when I was way too young to understand them. I want to say just really quickly to, for me, you talked about watching a naked scene with your parents. Mm. I vividly remember the first time that it happened to me. I was 13 years old and I, my mother took me to go see Titanic. The and hand. It got, 
-hmm. and it got to the part and, and my mom covered my hand or my eyes in the movie theater. And I was like, mom. And I went to swipe her hand away and the, the dude behind us chuckled and my mother put her hand back over my face. And she said, those breasts do not belong to you, Daniel. <laughs> I'll rescind my statement about it not affecting the way that we so, were like, but that is a, you'll never forget that sentence. I'll never we'll forget that. In your head forever. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Those breasts do not belong to you. I, I will, as, as I'll never Thursday. forget that. Man. I remember I watched Working Girl with my mom and there's a scene in Working Girl where she has sex with, or she walks in on her boyfriend cheating on. I haven't watched it. I bet I'd love it, but I haven't watched it again because of this. I was watching it with my mom on the couch. My mom would usually like, again, cover my eyes or change the channel when something like that happened. She must've fallen asleep. I didn't. I stayed up. I watched it. The next day, my mom was acting weird around me. And she was like, what'd you think of that movie last night? And I was like, I thought it was really good. She was like, did you see the part where and like named the actors or whatever? And she was like, when they were not wearing any clothes. And I was like, yeah, they were doing the thing that Kevin and I do. Kevin's my brother. So put yourself in my mom's shoes here for a second. Oh, and uh, she was like, what? And I was oh. like, yeah, where you lay down on the ground and you use your feet to lift the other person up like they're Superman. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that what they were doing? And my mom was like, <sighs> yes, <laughs> that's what they were doing. Because my brain was like, I've never seen two people bounce on each other and one of them's laying down. It didn't make sense in my brain that yeah. my mom was worried I had seen sex and then had to worry that I was having sex with my brother. She was just like, what happened? <laughs> we cleared it up. We cleared it up. And cleared it up. <laughs> and now, now I'm like, one day she told me, she was like, you know what happened that day? And explained it to me. And I was like, oh, you know, that makes a lot more sense. Because why was the main character so upset that those two were playing Superman? She could have easily just jumped in and done it as well. Right. <laughs> you know, we don't kink shame. You guys can Superman with as many people as you want as long as everyone's consenting to Superman. That's right. That's right. Um, Stop, you're a music guy, and I feel like I didn't let you say enough songs that this happened to you with. Do you have any specific? Uh, No. No, 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 no. I was just thinking, like, I, I was just Bridgers? looking back. It's probably a Phoebe Bridger song you sang before it. you realized there, it was no. There's a there's a band called Movements that I really love right now. Uh, they have a record out called No Good Left to Give. Mm. Um, check them out; they're fantastic. There's a band called Valley Heart, also out of Boston. Uh, mm, shout out Boston forever. There's been a lot of really great bands that I've found out of about from Boston through the pandemic, and I cannot wait to get vaccinated and be able to go to shows I again. I know I miss mm. it so much. I am so excited, and so it's been, and I like. My girlfriend, I've been, you know, my girlfriend, and I have been dating for quite a while now. Um, and like, we only got to go to like two shows together before the world shut down. And so, oh, wow. So you don't even know that part of each other. Yeah. There's still a whole part. part to, you know, there's a lot that we got to be able to do with each other as a part of all this, but like, that's a whole untapped area that I'm really excited to, that's to do so some cool. stuff. So. That's a cool way to look at it is like, you haven't had that time to do yeah. the thing you like to do together. I love yeah. that. It's so funny that you say that because that's exactly how my boyfriend and I are. Like we started dating. January of 2020 Jesus. and then everything you know the world flipped upside down and so we were actually joking about that the other day he said that he can't wait to go to a Luke Combs concert and I was like what because I, I didn't I didn't know what kind of concerts he likes to go to because That's we've never so gone funny. to one together so I'm like I'm so excited for us to actually go to things and be able to continue learning like oh that's what you like to do in the real world, uh -huh. you know, outside mm -hmm. of the four walls of our apartment. 
Yeah, even just getting to hang out with Dan's friends the other night and like have fun with them and watch him smile at the fact that I was interacting with his friends and we were all becoming friends. It was like, that's a thing we haven't had. We started dating in October and then the pandemic hit. So I didn't really get to do that. And it's been so rewarding to have him be like, this is awesome. This is so cool. And seeing him with, I don't know, it's just all great. Anybody single has turned this podcast off out of I'm really sorry. At this point. <laughs> so like my boyfriend does this really cool thing that makes me feel not alone. Uh, that's it, guys. That's it for this week's edition of sports. Shout out to Quip. Shout out to Brooklinen. Shout out to both William and Mary. And of course, shout out to the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. Baseball's finally back. It uh, The weather's going to maybe start to feel like it soon, which would mm-hmm. be pretty sick because as I do every year, I let March trick me. I let it me think it was going to be warm and then it got cold again and it's very devastating, but it feels like it might be starting to wisen up and get a little warmer for me. Thank you. Anyway, so check out what I'm talking about is a baseball podcast. So check out, check that out if baseball's your thing. And if not, what's wrong with you? I'm kidding. Big thanks to you guys for listening now, this time, and then again later on a streaming service, and then a third time on on another streaming service. And here's why. Because we named who he who shall not be named. He who shall not be named named he who shall not be named. That's true. And this is the only podcast that we get him back for. So this is like when you think about it in years from now when something else bad happens to this podcast and it doesn't exist anymore, this will be a moment you look back on and you're like, I remember the return of dop we're gonna go back to bleeping it but for the rest of this episode we'll leave it <laughs> i rem- i was there for the return of dop so listen to this one three times really give yourself over to the art we've created here and i think you'll find that it really helps you in ways that i can't even pretend to finish that sentence or you could just leave us a nice review wherever you listen to the <laughs> podcast which by the way we read and we love them like this one from chris that travis pulled before he got on his plane so that i wouldn't be puppy <gasps> I know puppy He's very ready for breakfast. Or for I'm dinner. really He's sorry like, for that like obnoxious. Breakfast. Damn. No, we both did it. Uh, anyway, I was complimenting Travis and then I got distracted, which is very common. But uh, mm. he put all these reviews in so that I wouldn't be stranded without a review. Unless it was you, Christina, in which case you're always welcome to just chime in and tell me that he deserves no credit. Oh, no, this was not me. This is all Travis. Okay, like this review from Chris that says, don't pay attention to the length of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let it scare you. Uh, And just go on the emotional roller coaster that it is. Tuesday's pod is more silly and goofy, while the Thursday pod does a deep dive on cool people that surround Katie. You should definitely subscribe, rate, and review. It's like what I said. Give yourself over to the art that you're consuming and go on the emotional roller coaster. And lastly, don't forget that you can always stop... No, oh, he's too busy doing something. I'm here. You can Leave always. A... I just wanted you to say what they can do. Leave up a voicemail. Yes, an 860-506-5571. Say goodbye, Dop. Bye, guys. Say goodbye, Christina. Goodbye. Bye. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>